Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is the creative director and CEO of Melbourne Fringe, Simon Abrahams. We talk about how he knew what he wanted to do with his career from the very beginning, the importance of an open access festival for voices that may not be heard otherwise, plus how sometimes when you find fulfillment, you don't look for the next best thing. We also create a very lovely metaphor for what he does at Fringe. Don't miss it. We're saying anyone who's got something to say is of value and we're particularly interested in amplifying that and centering that and bringing people to that and and putting that at the centre of our culture and bringing big, bold, dangerous ideas and saying to the world, let's make this happen. And I reckon that's important. Simon Abrahams is the creative director and CEO of Melbourne Fringe. What is Melbourne Fringe? Great question. Here's Simon with the answer. Melbourne Fringe is our city's celebration of cultural democracy. So by that, I mean we create the Melbourne Fringe Festival where anyone can register an event and we provide a platform for anyone who's got something to say. We find a way to get their work, their artwork, their self-expression out into the world. So it's not just performance art, all kinds of different art. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's totally what it is. It can be anything. It can be theatre, dance, music, circus, visual arts, words and ideas. It can be a combination of those things. It could be in the Melbourne Fringe Festival, which runs in September for three weeks, or we run a venue at Trades Hall, so it could be at any time during the year there. We basically have as our job helping Melbourne express itself, and that's what we're here to do. How long has Melbourne Fringe been a thing? 39 years. 39 years. Which is pretty good. So next year, that's it. And next year's our uh, our big birthday next year. The big 4-0. That's it. Melbourne Fringe is almost 40 years old. But how long has Simon been the creative director? I've been here. This is my seventh festival this year. So, you know, I think long enough to know what I'm doing, but um, still feeling fresh and invigorated and excited by a pretty extraordinary job. Why did you get involved seven fringes ago? I guess for me, it was a job actually that I had coveted. And when I finished my last role, um, or I was thinking about finishing my last role, I, I wrote a list of jobs that I wanted. And Melbourne Fringe was at the top. And I literally decided that I was going to be the next creative director and CEO of Melbourne Fringe. And within 12 months of making that decision, the job came up, I applied for it, and I got it. And I guess I decided that I wanted this role because it is one of the few jobs in Melbourne that is obviously running a a big, exciting arts festival, but one that is still connected to the independent arts and to the grassroots of the kind of arts movement of the city, which is my real passion, but also that it still feels 
feels like Melbourne Fringe can be anything. And in that time, we've shifted and changed and evolved what this organisation is to be something quite different. And I guess I was excited by that. Within the idea that, I guess, Melbourne Fringe is about things that are a bit left of centre. So knowing that that was the kind of artistic direction and within that I could take it anywhere I wanted, it just felt like the perfect gig for me. Here I said that Simon had almost manifested his position at Fringe. He had this to say. Maybe I'd say I, I, you know, strategically planned it. Like, I feel... <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I feel like, like the job existed. I just was like, I want that one, you know? I just coveted it and I just said... In fact, I think that's what my job application said. I think it said I have coveted this role, you know, this job, and basically give it to me. And, <laughs> and, and they did, yeah. It's a pretty rare opportunity. It's an organisation that I had been involved with in lots of different ways as, a, as an artist, as a mentor, as a provocateur, as a judge. I'd been in and out of the organisation in different ways over the decade beforehand, but I hadn't run it. So uh, I'm pretty excited to have you know, been given the opportunity to have jumped into that chair, obviously, in 2015. And kind of still feeling, maybe feeling more invigorated now than ever. I feel like I'm doing my best work now, actually. I just, uh, yeah, I feel more excited now than, than I probably ever have in my time at Melbourne Fringe. Why do you think that is? Because you know more about it now? You know how to utilise the space now that you've been there for a while or...? Yes, I think that's definitely true. And I also think that when I first landed here, I had things I wanted to fix and change and update. And I'd say I've pretty much done the things that I set out to do when I arrived here. And so what's exciting about that is I've been able to create a whole new set of things that I want to do now that I never would have imagined were possible when I first arrived. And so now that we have an organisation that is, you know, very functional and high achieving and, and exciting, we can, I guess I know how to make big ambitious things happen here. And maybe some of that fear that I had when I first arrived or that sense of what is and isn't possible has really expanded for me over seven years. And now you mentioned that you were involved with The Fringe in terms of being an artist and other capacities. What were you doing before you became the creative director at Melbourne Fringe? And how do you think that those previous experiences have informed what you're doing at Fringe now? Oh, gosh, I've done lots of things. Yeah, I've definitely, I mean, I've worked as a performer, so I understand what it is to, you know, to get up on stage and do that work which is helpful, obviously, for the people that I'm dealing with every day. For a long time, I ran a company called Polyglot, which is a children's theatre company, and I had the most extraordinary experience there, working with the most amazing group of people, making extraordinary art happen, and we took that all over the world. And so I guess I've been very lucky to have had great opportunities at a very young age. I was still 25 when I became the CEO and um, executive producer at Polyglot, and, and was there for quite a long time and had an amazing time there. And, I mean, I've, I've worked at Gasworks Arts Park in Albert Park. I worked at the Arts Centre. I looked after all the new commissions at Arts Centre Melbourne. I was the head of programming at the Wheeler Centre for books, writing and ideas. So I've had some really amazing jobs, the kind of jobs that people covet and people want. And I've never stayed in a job as long as I have here at Melbourne Fringe, but I like to land somewhere and stay there for a little while and I guess try and make a mark when I'm there. 
you have had really quite an illustrious career and had positions that are change-making positions. Did you always know that you wanted to work in the arts? Was Baby Simon always going to drift in that direction or was there a time when that wasn't your aspiration? Yeah, Baby Simon definitely was quite strategic in what he was looking for. I've told Anne Tonks, who used to be for 17 years, was the general manager of MTC, the Melbourne Theatre Company. And I've told Anne that when I was a kid, you know, I, I just wanted to be Anne Tonks when I grew up. It was something that I strove for quite strategically, I think. You know, at uni I studied a, a Bachelor of Commerce and I studied theatre at the same time. And so... My days were going from, you know, body text performance to, you know, macroeconomics. And I feel I always nurtured my artistic creative side and my kind of strategic business side simultaneously in the knowledge that I would, you know, use those powers for good, in the knowledge that I would run a, a big arts organisation. Um, That's amazing that that was your ambition from the very beginning. Yeah, I feel I feel very clear and very focused that that has always been what I've wanted to do, sort of unquestioningly, really. Yeah, I've never had a problem of going, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. That is, that is honestly so fascinating. I think of all the people that I've ever spoken to, no one had such a clear vision from the very beginning. <laughs> wow. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> That's amazing. That's funny. I think it's fantastic. It's it's really inspiring. Like you knew what you wanted from the very beginning and you literally took tangible steps in the direction that you needed to go to get to that place. Yeah, I think I did. And I mean, interestingly, what I've discovered probably is that I'm I'm doing exactly what I thought I would do, but I'm less interested in the climbing of the career ladder than perhaps I might have been. Like I've landed exactly where I thought I would be and I'm so sort of happy here that I'm not going like, well, I've been here for seven years, you know, TikTok, you know, what, what is my next thing to climb the ladder to run this festival or this venue or bigger, bigger, bigger. I'm much more interested in where I've got creative input to be able to influence culture than I am in the thing that is necessarily going to advance my CV or kind of climb a career ladder in a particular way. And I think that's something I hadn't anticipated. I think I thought I would want to keep, you know, climbing, 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 and I discovered that's not necessarily the thing that's most interesting and having landed somewhere pretty great. You can find great happiness in, in landing where I thought I would land has, has made me very happy. I think that's also a really interesting sentiment because I think that a lot of people are constantly reaching for the next best thing. And when you have a good thing, a lot of people don't realize it. And so they're like, oh, well, I need to jump to the next best thing. But it must be really nice to be in a position where you're at a place where you, you feel satisfied. Yeah, and only because my job is never the same. The job, A, the job that I do now is not the same job that I did seven years ago. Like, it's a different, it's just evolved so much. Mm. And no day is the same for me. So, absolutely, that is, you know, I, I feel great satisfaction in that. And when I'm not enjoying it anymore, I will go. For, for me, I'm here as long as it is challenging and exciting and invigorating. And, when I don't feel that anymore, that's it because you know, I'm not here for the, for the dollars and I'm not here for the – probably not here for the amazing work-life balance. I'm here because I'm passionate about it because it, it fulfills a kind of sense of purpose in my life. And if I don't feel that anymore, then 
then I'll be out. Speaking of passion and purpose and how right now it is quite a fulfilling career for you, what do you think it is about the Fringe Festival itself that is super important? Why do we need Melbourne Fringe Festival? Great question. Because it gives voice to the voiceless. It amplifies those voices from the margins. It tells artists or sometimes not even professional artists, sometimes total amateurs, people who don't identify as artists at all, but it tells these people who have got something to say, need to express themselves. It says to them, you are of value and the work that you are making is important and it deserves to be platformed. And because we let everybody in, we're not going, here's the curatorial gatekeeper or your work's not good enough and we decided not to select you. And why do you think that it's important to you, Simon, personally? I guess for all the same reasons, that I just believe in vision and I get great personal satisfaction out of making art happen and making art that has impact happen. And so that is important to me personally to say, this couldn't have happened without me. I have driven this and made this thing that is so much bigger than me or any of these people that work here or, you know, even any of the artists themselves, it starts as this singular idea and amplifies into the millions and that is something that matters. Like I'm here, I'm making my mark through this entity. Yeah, absolutely. I asked Simon if he still dabbles in performing arts himself. Does he still consider himself an artist? I don't perform really very much anymore. I haven't for years which is not to say I never would again, but I, I don't really have time at the moment and I don't miss it. Don't right. ever sit here <laughs> thinking, oh, I wish I was the one on stage. Like, I don't. So I'm not saying I'd never do it again, but I'm not pining for it. I consider myself probably more of an artist now than I did previously as I'm given more opportunities to create and design and imagine projects. My role is not necessarily on stage, but definitely I do feel, you know, yeah, a practicing creative artist. Simon and I created a really lovely metaphor here, and I had to include it. Basically, the festival is your canvas. Absolutely, yeah. The city is my canvas, and the, Love the it. festival, you know. Is the, the paint. Is oh, look at that. <laughs> Love it. Yummy metaphor. Love it. Oh, <laughs> what do you think the best thing about what you do is? Best thing about what I do is work with artists. I love collaborating. So yeah, the best part, no question is sitting in a room with an artist and going, I've got half an idea. Have you got half an idea? What is this? What can we make it? Let's build this into something extraordinary. That's definitely the best part about what I do. Now, because I've asked you the best part, I obviously have to ask you, what's the not so great part about what you do? I mean, I spend my life fundraising and it's hard and boring. Definitely trying to make an organization survive and thrive in a you know, context in which the arts are underfunded. We rely on piecing together so many different tiny bits of money to make a big thing happen. And all of those tiny bits of money are really important. And we have, you know, we're very lucky. We have some amazing philanthropists and, you know, obviously government and people that, that really support us and we totally couldn't do without. But it's a struggle still with all of those amazing people. It's still, it's still a struggle. So, yeah, the not-so-great part is trying to make the numbers work. Why do you think that you still continue to do it and you still have this energy to do it after seven festivals? 
It's the same in every arts organisation probably in the world, more or less, where in the arts you basically have to balance having no money but having great creative freedom or the very few organisations that have money are generally part of government or local government or, you know, the kind of big major institutions and they have no freedom because they have to answer to so many huge key stakeholders that they tend to be deeply conservative slow-moving, difficult-to-wrangle beasts. So I just think that's how it seems to work at the moment. And until our kind of small, nimble, smaller arts organisations are funded to the level that they deserve, I think that's probably what we're going to be seeing for a, a while yet. Before I let Simon go, I had to ask, what would you tell someone who's thinking about presenting something for Fringe? I would tell them to be very clear on what they want to make and why they want to make it and to think about what it is that they've got to say about the world right now that is important because once they know why they're making work, then everything else falls into line. If you can be so clear that this story is important at this moment because of this reason, then it's not hard to raise the money to find a venue to market it, to find an audience, to win an award, to get a good review. All of those things flow from a good idea that is urgent and important and impactful in the world at this point in time. So I would say to them, come to Fringe, everybody's welcome. Tell me about what you're making and why and why you think that's important right now. Simon had already kind of addressed this earlier, but I asked anyway. Does he think he'll be the CEO and creative director of Melbourne Fringe forever? I don't think I'll be the creative director and CEO of Melbourne Fringe forever. But I do think I do think I'll be in the arts forever. I can't imagine doing anything else. And as we said, my life's been focused from a pretty young age towards, you know, landing here. Yeah, I don't think I'll specifically be in this job forever. I don't know that that's probably the best thing for me or for the organisation or for the arts in Melbourne. I think some change is, is good. But I, I imagine I'll be doing similar work forever because it's the work that drives me and, and because I'm, I'm pretty good at it and I feel <laughs> like there's something in that. I feel like I've got something to contribute that is useful and... I get a lot out of that, but I hope that, you know, Melbourne's artistic community get a lot out of that as well. So I don't I don't think I'll be going anywhere too far. Maybe not not specifically Melbourne Fringe, but you'll be you'll be around. Yeah, I've got no plans to leave Melbourne Fringe. I could be here for, you know, easily another seven years. But yeah. forever's a forever's a pretty long time. Totally. And forever implies like when you're dead, like forever, <laughs> forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Simon Abrahams for being on the show. It truly was so inspiring and interesting to hear about how he knew what he wanted his career path to be from the very beginning. If you'd like more info about Simon or the Melbourne Fringe, head to melbournefringe.com.au. Also, if you love this show, it would mean so very much to me if you could tell literally everyone you know. You never know, they may love it too. I'd love to expand the audience of How Do You Do That, and I know I need your help. Thanks for listening, and I'd really appreciate your support. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. 
go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 